Hey everybody, it's Nathaniel Avila reporting from Greater Orlando and I'm here with Timbrel Hildebrand reporting from Crowley, Texas and we're here to talk about The Little Mermaid, am I right? Yep. Alright, so this, I, this, this one film is actually one I'm really excited to talk about because uh, Ariel is definitely, I would say, is kind of like one of the more controversial princesses that has come out. Uh based on the whole uh feminist thing that's that's going around it. Mm-hmm. So, uh before we get started, I'm going to give you a little a little backstory. So, uh the Little Mermaid uh was originally planned all the way back in the 1930s. That's when the when the start of this uh film began. Back when uh Walt Disney himself wanted to uh make the uh make the little mermaid as one of his packaged films like like little short films uh which feature like a bunch of different hans christian anderson tales uh and he wanted to do it after uh after snow white and the Stevens wars but it was delayed uh and but i don't uh the only reason why it says it was delayed here on the wikipedia page is because uh it's it says various circumstances and i don't know what that means but uh fast forward in to 1985 ron clemens uh who will eventually become the director of the film or one of the directors became really interested in this film adaptation of the little mermaid that disney was making uh and he got really interested when he was being when he was making uh the great mouse detective uh with his buddy john musker who was the other director of this film uh, Clemens discovered that uh, the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale, while he was going through a bookstore, uh, believing that the story is like has a good ideal basis for an animated feature film, and he was really, uh, and was really like, he really wanted to make a film that took place underwater. So that's that's what really drew him into it. So he wrote like a two-page treatment of Little Mermaid, and he gave it to Katzenberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, who was the chief of Disney Animation. Uh, at what is known as a gong show that Disney has, which is like a di- idea suggestion meeting uh, that they would hold. And Katzenberg was like, nah, pass. So he passed on the project. Uh, because at the time, the the film was making uh, a sequel to their live-action mermaid comedy, Splash. And they thought the, and he thought the Little Mermaid would be too similar to that. So the next day, uh, Katzenberg approved the idea for maybe doing it. So he was convinced to do it uh, at the same time as another film called Oliver and Company uh, while in production in the 1980s. So the staff uh, found by chance the original story uh, of the visual development work who was done by a guy named Kay Nielsen that Disney was making in the 1930s uh, completely independent of each other. Um, and they were kind of like surprised that a lot of the changes that they made in the 1930s were the same changes that they made, like the liberties they took in the, the, the 1980s one. So that's kind of that's kind of fun. Uh, so that same year, Clemens and Musker expanded their two-page idea to a 20-page rough script, uh, eliminating like they they took off Ariel's grandmother. She's not going to be there anymore. And expanding the roles of the Merman King, which is going to be like Triton, and the Sea Witch, which is Ursula. 
However, the film's plans were uh, were shelved uh, because they want because Disney wanted to pay like uh, draw its attention to the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Oliver and Company uh, as they put those as like higher priority. And in 1987, uh, songwriter uh, Ashman became involved with writing the development of The Little Mermaid after he was asked to contribute like a song to Oliver and Company. Uh, and he proposed, and he proposed uh, changing the minor character of uh, Clarence, who was supposed to be an English butler crab, into a Jamaican crab, shifting the music style throughout the film to reflect this uh, character. And we all know that this would eventually become the character of Sebastian. Uh, and at the same time, Katzenberg, Clemens, Musker, and Ashman uh, revisited the story to make The Lo Little Mermaid more like a musical, like a Broadway-style uh, story structure with the uh, song sequences serving as like a catalyst for the film. And then they got uh, Alan Menken came on board and they both noted their work. Uh, they came, they just came off their work as uh, from The Little Shop of Horrors and they teamed up. I think this was the first time they teamed up uh, to compose the entire song score. Uh, and after Oliver and Company was released in 1988, the Little Mermaid was finally scheduled to be released the following year in 1989, and then the Disney Renaissance started, and that's the entire story of The wow. Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot this time. So, yeah. is, isn't it kind of strange? Like, The Little Mermaid was was not supposed to be released because Katzenberg really didn't want it to be made. I'm sorry, what was that? Isn't it kind of funny how, like, Katzenberg, the head of Disney Animation, did not want to make The Little Mermaid, and he only did it reluctantly. I think once the box office money came in, that probably changed his mind. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, because the money talks in Hollywood. <laughs> so, yeah. what is your what is your uh, opinion on Ariel? Because I know this is a very, uh, a very uh, uh, interesting subject. really complain about Ariel any more than any of the other Disney princesses, but I mean, I like the character of Ariel. I mean, yes, if you're going to look at it, I, I guess I guess if you are going to look at it from a more modern standpoint, it might bother some people because she's very, I guess, dependent on her male figure or something, but that's kind of just an archetype in many fairy tales, so I don't really see it as a problem in this because it's not really the point of the story it's, it's a fantasy and honestly she's not I, I still like Ariel even though because the whole point of this entire adventure is she's learning her lesson like through all these mistakes that she's making she's realizing oh wow I gave up everything I had for something and it came back to bite me you know in the tail I guess is the best way to put it there but um I mean, the character of Ariel has never really bothered me, mostly because I love Jodie Benson, who voices her, and she has a beautiful singing voice. So, I mean, I've always liked Ariel, but probably that's just because I always like liked mermaids and stuff. So, I've always thought she was kind of fun. Yeah, but I know, like, a lot of uh, what people would describe as uh, feminists would say that Ariel is like, oh, she's giving up her entire identity for the sake of a man that she barely noticed, that she barely knew. What would you say to that? I mean, I'd say that's pretty archetypal for most fairy tales. I mean, you could say the same thing about Snow White. You could say the same thing about uh, Cinderella. 
I mean, you could say the same thing, I guess, about Aladdin. He gave up everything. He gave up his identity to be with Jasmine. Uh, let's see, there's so many. Like, um, I guess Roar didn't really do that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a fairy tale. That's kind of how fairy tales work. You know, the princess ends up with the prince. But I mean, I feel like you don't really have to watch the movie from that standpoint. You could just see it as, oh, this is a fairy tale. They fell in love, and now she's just, and now you know, good had tri- good has triumphed. So the two people who have fallen in love get to be together in the end. And I think that really helps with how they develop the character of Eric, because they make him a lot more three-dimensional than most uh, Disney princes. Really? How so? Well, I just mean, they gave him more personality. Kind of like before Eric, there wasn't really much personality. When it came. I can't remember. Did Aladdin come before Little Mermaid, or did Little Mermaid come first? Uh, the Little Mermaid came first. Well, yeah, because kind of like pre-Eric, you know, the most... I mean, I would argue that the first Disney prince with um, a personality was Philip from uh, Sleeping Beauty. But still, you know, he wasn't in it that much. I think the character of Eric kind of built on that. Because before Prince Philip in Sleeping Beauty, or um, Eric in The Little Mermaid, princes were very two-dimensional. They were just kind of pretty guys that were just there to serve the purpose of being the prince. Like, they were just... They were there for the princess to go after. But with Eric, they make him a lot more interesting. They develop his character. They show that um, in many ways he is a lot like Ariel. He doesn't like what he has. He wants something else. And that might be a part of what makes them fit together so well. Yeah. And like a good uh, derivativeness that Eric has uh, compared to the other princes, princes of Disney's past would be that he doesn't really like being portrayed as like uh, a macho hero and all that kind of stuff he really doesn't like that like in the scene where uh grimsby gives him that statue for his birthday and he kind of thought it was like really he really didn't like it because of how he was portrayed and he was like oh it's kind of weird am i right yeah, I've always, I've always loved the character of Grimsby. I, I, I think he's a wonderful comic relief to Eric. I particularly like the part where he goes, Oh, Grimsby, you old beanpole, you shouldn't have. And he goes, I know. You know, It's a, it's a fun little uh, interaction between the two of them. But yeah, I think a lot of what makes, I guess, this fairy tale archetype of girl, girl wants boy, girl ends up with boy, you know, archetype, it is when they make the characters more three-dimensional and more likable, such as Eric. So it doesn't quite... So we as the audience feel like we know Eric a little bit better, so we're more okay with Ariel falling in love with him because we know him. Doesn't make, Of course, it still doesn't make sense. She only knew him for a day. It doesn't make sense. But also, it doesn't make sense that there are mermaids and talking crabs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you, so do the, do the crab, do the sea creatures actually talk or does it, or does Ariel just understand them and it's being translated for us in English? I, I'm guessing it's just Ariel can understand them, but then again, like during Kiss the Girl, Eric can understand Sebastian. It's never very clear in Disney movies. They have pretty, uh, yeah, they have pretty loose rules. Right, yes. Uh, and also, the Little Mermaid has been kind of accused of having those uh, sexual, you know, subliminal messaging in it. Uh, have you ever owned, like, the VHS of the Little oh, Mermaid? Oh, yeah. The infamous VHS. Yeah. 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 Ye
this penis castle, right? Yeah, I, I, I think I still have it. I, Everyone I knows about that one. Yeah, like, what's the deal with that? I believe I heard that some person working at Disney got kicked off, and so he hid it in all of the promotional stuff. But that might just be a rumor, but I feel like that's what happened. Somebody working there got mad at the execs or something, and... Uh, and decided, hmm, I guess I'm just going to hide a penis and all of this stuff. So that's that's what I've heard. That's the story I've heard. I think that's the only thing that I, that makes sense that I can think of. Uh, even though it, it's it's kind of unlikely that a bunch of, like, the other promotional people did not catch it. But... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was a bunch of similar-looking golden things, so... When you're that busy, I can understand why it would go unnoticed. I can also understand why people would just say, hmm, probably people won't notice. Let's just send it out instead of redesigning it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also, there was also a scene where, the marriage scene, where the priest has a boner. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Everyone likes to talk about that one, too. Yeah. It was edited out in the Disney Plus thing and all the re-releases. Uh, but I know that uh, John, uh, Musker and Clements, the directors, they came on record and they said that that was supposed to be his knees. It was supposed to be knobby knees. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, if you're, if you're not, if you weren't there, who knows what was actually intended. Oh, if those walls can talk. Yeah. I'd, uh, like, I'd like to think that's not what they were going for, but I also wouldn't put it past a naughty animator to want to throw that in there. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and I know that uh, also when I worked for Disney, uh, out of all the characters that I worked with, Ariel was always the sassiest. You worked at Disney World or something? Yeah. Ah. Uh. Yeah, and then like she was always the sassiest. She would always be like, she would always, uh, you know, <laughs> clap back. You know what I mean? Uh, well, maybe that was just a particular person rather than just an aerial thing. Yeah. Um, so, moving on. Like, I know that Ariel is definitely very active in her story. She's never very submissive, especially when her father's like, no, you can't do go out and do stuff. You can't go to the surface. And she would be like, shut up, I'm going to do it anyway. And she could be considered, like, independent in that way. Like, she is capable of making her own decisions and yeah. executing them. Uh, and not having to listen to the whims of a male figure. I, I guess it could be seen that way. But a lot of the stuff, uh, I mean, I guess it could seem that she's being independent. But it could also be seen as she's growing up in a way. You know, like, when you're young, you think you know everything. And then sometimes when you try to do things your own way, you realize, oh, yeah, maybe my parents were right about that. Because in the end, she ends up getting, you know, almost turned into one of those weird little squid thingies. But, yeah. But yeah, so I think it could be seen as one of those, yes, she's independent, but her independence is also somewhat of a, it, it's somewhat of a weakness to her also, because her independence sometimes makes her blind to listening to other people because she thinks she knows what's best. Yeah, it can definitely be can be like a double-edged sword as well. Yeah, yeah that's uh, a good way to describe it. Like, independence can be a double-edged sword. Yeah, um, and also I think this is the first 
film, Disney film, where the princess saves the prince. Uh, yeah, I've always liked that part. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because uh, I think Eric was drowning or something, and then Ariel saves him. Oh, yeah, that's always been the story. The prince almost drowns, and then uh, the mermaid saves him. And the day is saved. Hooray! Yeah. And then, um... And then, uh, when she becomes... She loses her voice, and then she becomes a mute. Eric finds her. And then, I like how she... When he finds her and finds out that she's actually a mute, she he doesn't really judge her that much for it, and he kind of like brings her in. And no, what I think is hilarious is how like the dog knows exactly what's going on the entire time, and he's like, "Dude, it's the girl who rescued you the other day." And Eric's so sick, and he's like, "Oh, you can't talk. You can't be the girl that saves me, even though you look exactly like her." Yeah. So I just think that's hilarious how the dog literally knows everything that's going on and he's just like stupid human literally it's the girl from the other day yeah i mean when when vanessa comes in i'm like like she has she's brunette she doesn't have red hair why does that make any sense but then again she was uh, then again he was on her like some kind of spell or something yeah it was like a spell thing which i really liked because in the original story well, in the original story it's extra sad like the mermaid dies at the end it's really graphic but um uh, in the original story, literally just another princess shows up, and the prince is just like, oh, psych, never mind, I'm just going to be with her. In this one, I really love that scene where Grimsby comes up to him, and he's still playing that uh, the tune on his flute, and Grimsby says, hey, you know, what's better than an imaginary girl, a girl that's right here that you, like, you already know, and she's sweet and nice, and then Eric, like, hurls his uh, flute away, because it really shows you that they're not depicting him in the same shallow way that is depicted in the other uh, the other versions of the story, which again I think adds to why we're we, we're more inclined to be okay with the relationship between him and Ariel because um, he's not depicted as kind of like a shallow jerk. Like he didn't go to be with the other girl because he wanted to be with her. He was just he was hypnotized, you know. So I think Disney made a good choice there. Yeah, like it's also that idea that message of uh, not being blinded with your idea of something but also being like being aware that the real thing is much better than the imaginary thing yeah like the the idealized fantasy over like the good reality yes exactly and he was i think he was going to like it was he was going to uh get with ariel and then Vanessa came in and just ruined the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good scene. Like, what did you think about the character of Ursula? Oh, Ursula is an excellent villain. She still terrifies me to this day, just because she's so creepy and, like, with all her tentacles and stuff. And uh, I, I think she's a great villain because she's very crafty. Like, it's interesting to have a villain who literally doesn't, she really didn't do anything wrong up until the end. Like, everything that Ariel, that she did to Ariel was kind of of Ariel's own volition. I mean, she did try to sabotage and stuff, so that's bad. She's obviously bad. But it's very interesting to see how crafty she is, how she doesn't even have to trick, well, she doesn't even have to really trick the hero or, like, fight the hero. She rather uses the hero's own desires against them. So I think that makes her a very interesting villain. Also, she's just, she's kind of one of those villains, I feel like, that you don't, you know, you can't stand her, but also you can't get enough of her. Because she's just so 
over-the-top evil. It's, it's, like, you can't get enough of it. Yeah, and, like, and you're, you're really, you're right that uh, Ariel didn't do anything that she didn't already want to do. Uh, and that's a very interesting take, because a lot of times villains are like, ah, I'm gonna trick you into doing this, but Ariel wanted to do that, and... Yeah, she literally signed it. She signed the contract. It's Which again it, brings into question, why didn't she just write out everything for Eric? But we don't have to get into that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I guess this is a bind, binding by ocean law. I suppose. Yeah, um, and... I know that what's what do you think like the backstory of Ursula is? Because I heard that I think she was supposed to be Trident's sister or something. Yes, yes, that is the intended that's the intended backstory. They kind of wrote it out, but uh, in the Broadway version that they did of the Little Mermaid, they kind of brought that back and they talked more about the fact that she was uh, Triton's sister, which I think is pretty interesting. And I think if you still watch the movie with that in mind it still that still comes off in the way that she talks and the way that she interacts particularly with triton yeah and then i know that there's only one line that refers to it when she says uh back when i lived in the palace i get to eat all the time or something yeah and that's the only time they ever allude to it uh mm-hmm. but it's a it's very interesting then again there's also the sequel uh where i think she has yeah, a sister or something I like I know there are some people who really like them, but I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like, let's just leave it. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good idea, too. Um, there was also the prequel that came out about Trident's disdain for music. Uh, oh, I never saw that. Me neither, because it's really no. dumb. Yeah, I don't really have any desire to see that. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, and then he was, she was like, and then Ariel was like, ah, we need music or something. And then I'm like, what? You really, you don't care because you missed your, you missed your rehearsals and you, you skipped on the concert. So you don't really care. Why are you fighting for it? Oh my goodness. I absolutely love Sebastian. His character is great. I love all of the side characters. Him, Flounder, Scuttle. I love Scuttle. The, the bird is hilarious. I, oh, yeah. I particularly like the part because, you know, they always kind of throw in like some adult jokes, I guess. But I've, I've always liked the part where they're uh, they're following uh, they're following Eric and Ariel around, and Scuttle comes by and he goes, "So have you kissed her yet?" And Scuttle goes, oh, "Not yet." And Scuttle goes, oh, "Well, they better get cracking or something like that." I thought that was hilarious. Lol, yeah. Uh, you know that Aquafina is going to be playing Scuttle in the new one. Is that so? Yeah. So yeah, I'm not crazy about the remake, but. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe one will hit eventually. <laughs> as as long as they get that money, they they ain't gonna be stopping. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and then okay, so uh, at the end, uh, Trident really realizes that humans are not that bad, and all that kind. Of, what do you think about that? About Trident's disdain for humanity. I mean, I think it makes sense. I mean, he was right about what he was saying. People do eat fish, and I guess the fish are his subject. He's not crazy about them getting eaten. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, um, but he realizes that oh, humans are not that bad. Um, 
and then both of the worlds are united. And I guess he could always he could have always given Ariel the legs the whole time. Yeah. But whatever. Um also there was this also this one line in uh what was what was that one song where she sings about part of your world? There's this line in Part of Your World where uh she says uh I wish I could be like in like the surface where they don't reprimand their daughters. Yeah. And, and I'm like, uh, they kind of they kind of do reprimand their daughters still in the surface. So Yeah, for sure. So I thought of that. Yeah, I thought that um because of that line, she was going to go up to the surface and realize that the surface world is not that different than the underwater world than the yeah than atlantica because atlantis is copyrighted we can't use it uh oh. <laughs> which is funny because disney ended up making another film about atlantis but yeah, they did. yeah so um and also uh so he, she would realize that the two worlds are not that different and realizes that maybe it's trying to uh leave uh the my my home isn't like the source of all my happiness or something like that but they kind of don't they kind of don't do that yeah so she ends up just they they take a tour around the town very briefly and then they go into the lake and then they sing uh, kiss the girl and whatever yeah um so what do you think about like the romance between ariel and eric you only have an hour and a half to make you fall in love with these two people who ordinarily only meet like right at the beginning of the movie so it is an undertaking undertaking i mean that happens in all movies you know you have to make the audience believe that these people get really in love in only like an hour and a half and regardless of whether you use uh you know montages of long periods of time or just the hour and a half that you have um i think it's really relies on how much you like both of the characters and how well both of the characters fit together. And I think in in this case with Ariel and Eric, you spend kind of the first half of the movie getting to know both of them pretty well. And, you know, they're fairly likable characters. Ariel is sweet, even if she's a little bit bratty towards her dad, you know, like, because everyone can kind of relate with her feeling like your parents don't understand what you want and that sort of thing. And, uh, and then, you know, you have Eric, who, again, like, he doesn't fit the princely mold, so that immediately makes people like him a little bit more. You can tell that he's out for others. So when you like both of these characters, it's not super hard to believe that they could like each other. So I, I think that's what makes the romance of Ariel and Eric one of the more enjoyable ones, because you like both of the characters. I definitely agree. I like how it kind of derives from the traditional Disney formula uh mm-hmm. that the characters have uh and so as a woman yourself what do you have to say to the people who would say that the little mermaid is a sexist film Then yes, I suppose it is a sexist film. But personally, 
her own destiny and all that. Like, she goes after the boat to try to save Eric, you know, when he gets himself into yet another predicament. So, I mean, I get people, I, I understand why certain, uh, why, why, why certain people might not like it because her sole goal is to, you know, get her man. But, I mean, personally, I don't find it sexist. I think it's just, you know, it's a fairy tale. That's what it is. It's just a fairy tale. Yeah, I mean, like, in this film, Ariel does kick a lot of butt in this film. She does. Yeah. And uh, she makes her own choices. It's not like the man is making her choices for her. This is her decision. And I think there are many women out there who would support that, like, women can choose, women should be able to choose whether they, you know, want to, you know, I don't think many women would look at someone who wants to, you know, get married and have a family as failing as a woman or something like that. So... I mean, it's Ariel's, it was Ariel's choice. She wants, you know, to get married and fall in love and all that. And again, at the end of the day, it's a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of which, I think this film is a lot better than the fairy tale because the fairy tale ends very sad. Oh, yeah. The fairy tale is super sad. I remember when I was a kid and I found out how the real little mermaid ended. Like, I cried. I was super upset. <laughs> she was supposed to, she turned into sea foam because she failed. Yeah. Like I know. Oh uh, yeah. It was really messed up. Yeah, and then like instead of her losing like her voice, her essence, Ursula just chops off her tongue. Oh yeah, I think that did happen. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Those old fairy tales were gruesome. Oh yeah, uh, that's why they call them the grim fairy tales. <laughs> well, this one's Hans Christian Andersen, but I, 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 I get your point. <laughs> yeah, and plus uh, the grim was their name, the brothers' names. Uh, and so that's the Little Mermaid for you. And uh, so, what is your final thoughts on it? Oh, I think it's a great movie. I think you should definitely check it out. I'd probably give it nine out of ten stars. Okay, I give it nine out of ten as well. So go check it out. It's a real. It's a great film. It's pretty awesome. It launched the Disney Renaissance, and pretty much saved mm-hmm. Disney animation. And yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that'll be it. All right. I've been Nathaniel Avila, and this has been Tim Roheldeman with me. And we'll be signing out. Bye. Bye.